Previously on The Adventure Zone. There is no more time to delay, Duck Newton. Events have been put into motion that require your immediate action. I mean, I guess I run through the gate. Uh, you hear the, the sound of the monster getting louder and louder, and you run toward this empty gate. And then we see that clearing again, and the archway within which Duck Newton was just standing is empty. You catch Danny out of the corner of your eye, and you get a little nervous for a second, and then a big blast of fire appears in your hands. Yes. There's another world connected to our own, and one by one, they transform. So that's the truth of the matter. Monsters are real. The bobcat starts charging toward you, and Barclay looks at you, and he says, God, I hope you can keep a secret, and in the blink of an eye, this gentle, bearded man you were just talking to disappears, and in his place is Bigfoot. Bigfoot, Ned. Uh, he is standing about seven, seven and a half feet tall. Uh, How many covered... hands, Griffin? How many hands tall? Uh, like 12 Bigfoot hands. Whoa. Yeah, and those that's are big a hands. Big, that's a big uh, Bigfoot. He is covered in fur that makes your, your current sort of Wookiee outfit, which you're definitely still wearing, which is such a, a charming little scene. Uh, it makes your Wookiee outfit look positively inauthentic. Um, and he's racing towards this lifeless but animated bobcat. And the two of them crash together a couple dozen yards in front of you. Your car is a couple dozen yards behind you. What do you do? Oh, I run for the car. Ned uh, runs for the car. Okay. And uh, and you're still wearing the Bigfoot snowshoes? No, I kicked off the snowshoes. I'm sorry. Okay. I kicked off the snowshoes and the gloves. Um, you just left those behind? Hell yeah. I gotta get. I got to get in the car. All right. Ned's got to get in the car, man. Now, I do want to remind a bobcat is not like a mountain lion, right? A bobcat is like uh, I'm envisioning like that about that size, big, big old cat. So you're a you're, big bobcat. You're just gonna take off? Oh, I'm gonna jump behind the wheel of the car. Let me explain something a little bit about Ned's mindset. Okay, Ned is is not ordinarily somebody that jumps into the fire. Uh, Ned is not somebody who likes to fight. Uh, if Ned can avoid a conflict, he will. But in this case, Ned, having just seen a man transform into a Bigfoot and see a ghoulish bobcat, is absolutely 100% convinced this is a dream. Okay. So Ned is going to live it as if it's a dream. All right. It's about dusk. So you, you hop behind the wheel of the car and sort of uh, f- fumbling, maybe a little nervous, start the ignition. And as you do, the headlights kick on. And now you can see this fight scene happening in front of you uh, much clearer. Oh, yeah. And you see that uh, this bobcat has Barclay pinned down. 
and yep. Barclay's Barclay's kind of in trouble. Uh, it's sort of slashing slashing at him and tearing at him, and it looks like this thing's got the the upper hand on Barclay. Oh yeah, well I th- I throw the link into Drive and gun it because it's a dream, man. Let's enjoy it. Let's have some adventure. I, he's been st- stuck in this crummy museum, so he's going to floor it and drive it right at them. Okay. Um, are you trying to hit both of them? I am going to drive straight for them and hope that the Bigfoot, uh, that Barkley, is is able to either roll away. A lot or... easier to hit the Bigfoot than the Bobcat. <laughs> but it's no, no, but no, it's but it's yeah. it's a dream. If I get them both, it's two monsters. What's so, the big deal? Did you listen to that new Adventure Zone? Yeah, I really liked it. Then Dad killed Bigfoot, and <laughs> yeah. hey, who was like a dude, and then I he, am who he a... spoke to and was already a fan favorite, but now Ned he's dead. I guess. Is... Ned is a terrific driver. Remember, that's one of his things. So I didn't know he could lift a car up in the air while he's driving. <laughs> he is specific- going to. He is going to do some he's amazing got- Joey Chitwood stunt driving shit. No scope, car skills. Um, you are you're going to have to roll to act under pressure, and I and will real, remind real you the good. way the way that rolls in this game work. If you don't do amazing things can happen and i want to remind everybody because we didn't do this at all in the last two episodes you have the luck option that you can exercise at any time yeah so we haven't talked we have not talked about luck luck is a is is a fascinating thing in this game and it kind of makes up for the fact that there's not like a ton of healing or whatever uh you have a meter and i think it has like uh seven marks in it and this is for your character's whole career you never refill this you never really get this back where uh, if you want to at any time, you can change a roll to a 12 or avoid all harm from an injury, and you mark one luck. Now, once you've gotten rid of all your luck, really bad things can start happening to you. I basically get to go as hard on you as I possibly want to go because you are what the game calls doomed at that point. So, uh, But yeah, let's, let's do this thing. All right, so I can invoke. Do I do it before I roll? No, you do um, it. I think you do it post. Yes, it is. It is reactionary. I mean, okay, and it should be a pretty desperate thing, right? Because you've only got seven it is worse. Of it. it is worst case scenario things. Like, for instance, if you're going to kill Bigfoot with your car, you may want to use a little bit of luck on it. All right, Clint. Just well, okay. That's legit. Eleven. That yeah, has right. His, and I add a plus one for driving. I get um, plus one to any rating. Oh wait, what is it? Plus one ongoing while driving. Um, yeah, this would definitely count for that. So that's a 12. Um, I, yeah, with that, uh, Barclay is fighting this bobcat and is kind of underneath it and then sees the headlights like soaring towards him. And he puts a foot on the bobcat's chest as it's sort of on top of him and flings it backwards and then quickly rolls out of the way. Uh, and the Bigfoot, uh, or the, and the bobcat sort of slams right into the, uh, hood of of the continental as you're going and it's a you know it's a big sturdy boat so uh, a mountain cat slamming Detroit, into it doesn't, man doesn't do a whole lot of damage um to the car uh it does plenty of damage to the bobcat who just rolls over the car and then i imagine you bring it to a halt after that as you see in your rear view oh, mirror yeah. i do one of those sweet moves where i Change the gear shift, slam on the brakes. It does a little curve and, oh, and pulls yeah. up right next to the to Barclay. 
Uh, all right. Yeah. You you uh, look in your rearview mirror. The bobcat is not moving. And then from your rearview mirror, you see uh, you see the bobcat defeated on the ground. Although it looks just as lifeless now as it did sort of during its its attack. Um, and sort of right as it lands, that black fluid that was dripping out of its mouth, it like spastically shoots out of its body in these thick rivulets, which kind of tangle together on the ground before slithering, like with a will of its own, quickly back into the forest. Like within a few seconds, that black fluid is out of sight. <laughs> How hideously obnoxious! <laughs> <laughs> I love this dream. You're going a little bit Odin there. Was that what you were going for? <laughs> Tiny man. Um, Ned's having fun, man. Okay. He doesn't think any of this is real. Uh, let's jump over to Duck. Duck, you stepped through the gate. And for a moment... Say, I've been kicking myself since we recorded because none of us made an exit pursued by Bear comment. Mm. <laughs> and it was like... Right there, you guys. Yeah, we could have done that, and then we could have done some quick improv games, like maybe some freeze, and then we'd talk about like what song from Jesus Christ Superstar is our favorite. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Duck, you step through the gate, and you are you're in this bright place for just a moment, Duck, and the wind that you felt whipping at you from from the stone archway is still like blowing through you while you're in this space, but you're quickly out of it, and the light fades. And you know you're somewhere else, but your vision is somehow off. Um, almost like you're you're seeing this place with like a watercolor filter. Everything is is kind of shifting wildly, almost like the aha video. Dun, 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 yeah, dun, dun, dun. and you also feel somewhat sick and kind of like angry. It, it's it is disorienting to say the least. Um, and and behind you, uh, pretty close to you, you can you can see it despite your sort of disorientation. There's another stone gate in this place, identical to the one you you entered. Um, and from the hard stone floor that you're laying on, you can tell that whatever wherever this gate is, it is enclosed inside of sort of another large stone structure. There are these massive pillars propping up the ceiling overhead, and through the pillars you can see the world outside. Only y- your vision is so sort of impaired that you can only faintly make out like there's some bright colorful shapes in the distance uh some round buildings um there's a massive castle beyond them with a large orange shape uh jutting out of the ground just in front of 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 that castle and you feel that anger inside of you just kind of building almost unnaturally and it's alarming but not quite as alarming as these Two figures who are standing in front of a pillar, uh, a pair of columns in front of you, who respond to your presence with surprise, and in an instant they are on you, jabbing you with these rods, and you feel this shock, and you're unconscious. And when you awaken, you are in a dark, small room, and your arms are bound to a, a wooden chair positioned in front of a big, sturdy wooden table, and you feel something soft and light draped around your neck and as you kind of look down you realize you're wearing some sort of scarf that your captors placed on you um it's made of some sort of incredibly soft fabric that you can't quite deduce um and for whatever reason that anger and disorientation you felt when you entered this place is just is gone you're 
duck again. And seated across from you is a person you you can't really tell too too much about them other than that, thanks to the large set of chainmail armor they're wearing, covered by uh, a tabard featuring an orange crystal radiating light in every direction. Uh, you can faintly see these two black beady eyes through a slit in the helmet this person's wearing, which is adorned with two goat's horns on top. And as you regain consciousness uh, strapped to this chair in front of this table in this dark room, this person immediately addresses you, and they say, You're in a lot of trouble right now, but I want you to know that I am willing to give you the benefit of the doubt. Because based, based on your outfit, I'm guessing you're part of some sort of local woodland army or forest militia or something like that? Yeah, that, that'll do. He says, uh, we're both men of, of the law, and so I'm, I'm hoping we can come to an understanding here. I'm thinking maybe you just stumbled into the gate accidentally. Maybe you didn't come here with any ill intent. Am I on the right track? Now, I'm just a small kingdom lawyer. <laughs> I've never... <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, that pretty much sums it up. What's your name, pal? It's Duck. Duck Newton. Excellent name. Powerful name. I'm Vincent. <laughs> it's, it's a nick, it's a nickname. I'm I'm Vincent and uh well before we go any further, I gotta know, and this is real important that you tell the truth now, alright? I need to know how you knew that the gate was there in the first place. Did did the human called mama tell you? Mama. No, I don't know. I mean I know my mama. I don't know ah mama. Um, to be honest, uh, uh, it was just sort of there, man. I, I don't know. It was, it just sort of appeared. I was, uh, in being pursued by a, um, a, a, a large, I would say non earth bear. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I've never seen it's like, and, uh, I, I just kind of ran for the gate, man. I, I'll be honest. I, I don't, I don't really have a great uh explanation for you i'll say this i you know i'm not freaking out right now i've seen some weird shit in the past and uh narrowly avoided being sort of looped up in it seems the uh that ship has sailed but uh <laughs> i'm uh you know I, it, it, all non-malicious on my part just a uh just trying to exit pursued by bear yeah <laughs> uh he takes out a little notebook uh, from a, a fold in his tabard, and he's, like, writing down some of the stuff that you say, almost like he's taking a statement. And um, he takes his, his his pencil, and he taps uh, at, at a point of his notes, and he says, you big non-Earth bear, huh? He says, well, it sounds like, sounds like Mama's maybe not keeping up her end of the bargain, but I guess we'll circle back on that later. I mean, I'm not saying, I don't know if you want to write this down. I'm not saying it was a space bear. I just, you know, not sort of a regular bear, you know? He says, believe me, I, I, I know better than you might think. He says, but I still don't understand how you found the gate. It's, it is unfortunate that you don't know how, because, buddy, I can't let you leave here until I figure out where the hole in our security protocols lies. And with that, this figure takes off their helmet. And as they do so, you notice those two goat horns uh, on, on top of the helmet actually 
slide through holes on the top of the helmet as it's removed and they place their helmet gently on the table and as they do you see the face of the person sitting across from you it's the face of a goat uh aubrey you are walking in the woods behind amnesty lodge with mama who is uh carrying an oil lantern in in one hand as she leads you swiftly through the pines and uh, you've just left the, the Amnesty Lodge after sort of the big reveal from the last episode. And she says, now there's something I need to show you. But before we do anything else, Aubrey, I need you to swear on your life that you're not going to tell another soul about what you learned tonight. Can, can you do that? I'm, I'm not. I don't want you to take this lightly. This is like end of the world level secret i need your absolute discretion on this mama not only do i swear on my life i swear on the life of dr harris bonkers phd whoa uh is dr harris bonkers with you is dr harris bonkers always with you (laughs) do you mean like spiritually and physically Oh, um, yeah, you know, I've I, the term I've been thinking about a lot, and I think Aubrey has now that she has done Real Magic is familiar. Yes, 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 okay. yes, 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 yes. Um, but I think maybe for this, I, I think just for, because it's dangerous, maybe she left Dr. Harris Bonkers with Danny. Okay. Um. Yeah, I think Danny was happy to, to play with Dr. Harris Bonkers. Does Danny have kind of a Laura Dern vibe? Uh, I don't, I, we'll, we'll figure out Danny's relation to laura dern i think as we play it's one of those things you're supposed to leave empty spaces in the world and fill it out as you go yeah i understand last jedi laura dern jurassic park jurassic park laura dern as well jurassic park laura dern yeah peak peak dern Peak. Um, we're talking about (laughs) top dern here um mama says i don't i don't mean to scare you aubrey it's just uh, can you imagine what would happen if the wrong people learned about a place full of magic and monsters and everything, what they might do to take advantage of that kind of power to own it. Mama, I've, I've di- let me let me reassure you right now. I can make fire with my mind. I'm not really scared of anything. So she says, "I know that, but it's important you understand the gravity of the situation." Because I've I've dedicated my entire adult life to keeping that stuff out of the public eye. It is it is the most important thing we do around these parts. Uh huh. Uh, and you're, you're walking a bit further into the woods, and she starts to explain. She says, okay, so, this other world, it's called Sylvain. Which, by the way, I picked that name out like a year ago, and then when Dad had a character called Sylvain in Taz Commitment, I was like, oh, interesting. It's a Wheels within of- wheels, my friends. Yeah. Well, uh, you actually returned the favor, because I got Sylvain from... An actor that I worked with, Remy Sylvain, and then Whoa. you turned around in the same episode and named your character yeah, Remy. It was Simpatico. Uh, <laughs> I also I want everyone to picture that during this whole walk and like as Mama is talking, like uh, she is just Aubrey is like snapping her fingers and like making like lighting a lighter, like lighting a zippo. Absolutely, yeah, always good to do in a, always good to do in a forest. Well, yeah. she's snapping her fingers and like her thumb catches on fire, and then she's snapping it out and just kind of doing that. I love I off. love this. Uh, we got some of that in commitment. The like few minutes after you discover you have superpowers. Okay, anyway, uh, Mama says <laughs> Sylvain Aubrey. It's an incredible place. It is a living world. And I I mean that literally. Whole place is alive. 
sustaining its inhabitants with this magic power, and that's a thing that those inhabitants are understandably pretty protective of. Uh But problem is, throughout history, those gates on our side have been popping up all over the place, and humans have been crossing over into Sylvain and making a mess of things. Made some made some bad blood between us and the Sylphs. It's 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 hard to blame either side, really, because where these gates appear on Earth, so do the. Well, we we call them abominations, but don't you worry none about that though. That's mine and Barclay's cross to bear, not yours. But the worse that things got in Sylvain, because of the humans, the stricter their laws got. And today they got some pretty draconian laws in effect governing who can and. And can't live there. And the outcasts, well, they don't they don't really got anywhere to go. Hence the Amnesty Lodge. I, I give those sylphs a safe place to sleep at night, and that seems about the least that I can do for them. And Aubrey, I don't know nothing about your life and what you want from it, but you could be safe there too, I think. So, somehow you you fit into this picture. I I know it. Okay. Let's jump back to Ned. Uh you see Barclay kinda wounded. He's he's got uh some big scratches down his neck and his torso, and he's kinda shambling away from the, the car, um uh towards towards the bobcat, and he hunches down and looks at the bobcat, kinda rolls it over, eyeballs it, sees it's thoroughly dead. And he walks a little bit closer Not to the car. really co- dead, but really yeah. most sincerely dead. <laughs> so let's How get many more many musical theater references. Yeah, yeah. No joke. Uh, and then he walks a little bit closer to the car, and he hunches down, and he picks up that hempen bracelet up off the ground, and he wraps it back around his wrist, and instantly, he's Barclay again. Is he um, still injured in this form, Ditto? Yeah, in this human form, Ned, you can actually see those those scratches are still there. Um, he's, he's breathing sort of heavily. He's not like horribly injured, but he's definitely sort of battle damaged nonetheless. Um, and he walks over to you, Ned, and, uh, opens up the, the, uh, passenger's side door and gets inside and he puts on his seatbelt, I think, uh, cause he's a very safe boy. And he says, um, you said you've been to Amnesty Lodge before. Right, Ned? Yeah, I I uh, obtained one of your delicious Monte Cristos. Yeah, the uh, sandwich was great. He says, I I need you to get and me I there. And I think there was a junior chamber of commerce meeting there, I believe. Uh, he says, I need you to get me there right away, Ned. I, I can explain everything when we get there. And are as you, he's, Are you as, sure you wouldn't rather go to a vet? <laughs> he he kind of chuckles and then... Uh, as he laughs, he's kind of like hurting a little bit, and so he kind of catches himself, and he says, "No, we got to get to the lodge. I can't, for obvious reasons, I kind of can't go to any sort of medical practitioner back in of Kepler." Course. Um, of course. A- as he's saying that, you see a couple more shapes stalk out of the woods. I think it's just two more bobcats, uh, and they're sort of prowling like jungle cat style uh, out of the woods towards your car. And he says, um, I know this is a lot to take in right now. I know you probably think you're in some sort of weird dream. I assure you. Oh, yes, I certainly do. 
He says, I, I assure you, it is not, things are pretty bad right now, and if you want to keep Kepler safe, I, I need you to get me to the lodge, all right? Oh, good. That's good. I like that. You've kind of heightened the danger. Of course, my friend, let's go to the lodge. You must do me one favor. Try not to bleed on the fine Corinthian leather, all right? He says, I'll do my best. He says, Onward! He says, take the woods, Ned. T- time's of the essence. I can get us through it, but but... We, 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 I need you to cut as straight a path as you can, all right? <laughs> You've got it. I throw it into drive. I press the pedal and yell, yikes, and away! Do you aim for either of the bobcats as you're driving forward? Oh, hell no. I'll throw it in all reverse. Right. <laughs> all right. And yell, uh, yikes, and away. All right. You take off into the woods towards the Amnesty Lodge. And we're moving on. Nice clip right now, boys. Uh, Going to jump back to Duck. Uh, All right, listen, I got some questions for you. What's the name of this place? What are the laws that dictate who can and can't cross over? <laughs> On the other side, what are those? Uh, where do the people who get caught from the other side stay? I need these questions answered in excruciating lengthy detail. Between I am you not and aware. Vincent, you're playing bad ranger, good ranger. I'm not aware of any of the answers to these questions. <laughs> Please begin and include them. I think you guys are all about to meet up, so I think there will be some sharing of notes once that happens so that we don't create a uh, a hole in the fucking narrative universe I'm trying to... <laughs> no, this is where together. the propeller spins, uh, the goat man answers all the questions, and then Doc's like, oh, okay, <laughs> that all totally makes sense. The, Vincent, the uh, goat man, which uh, is not pejorative, there's a real cryptid name that. Uh, Vincent says, the Goatman. <laughs> yeah, well, just familiar. Vincent the Goatman. The Goatman. Uh, he looks at you, and maybe you are a little bit uneasy because it's now this sort of humanoid goat talking to you. He says, uh, "So, our our two worlds, Duck, they have something of an uneasy truce, and it's based around your side keeping the existence of our side." Under wraps. So when strangers just stumble into our world, you can understand how that's a problem for me. I'm kind of in charge of homeland security around here. So I need you to tell me and and really think about it. How did you first find out about the gate? Well, first off, I I wouldn't say I stumbled. Uh, I did move with sort of a dignified gate into the gate. It was very purposeful. Let me start there. Uh, secondly, um, so I've got this, uh, I guess you call it like a weird spirit kind of thing that's been trying to get me, used to try really hard, um, and they kind of let up uh, to sort of, I guess, fight evil. I know it sounds ridiculous, but... Uh, sort of fight evil and they pop back up. Um, I, I kind of thought it was a dream for a long time, but seeing it just, uh, recently sort of dispelled that notion. Um, so I think maybe, maybe they showed it to me. I'm honestly grasping at straws here, man. I'm a, I'm a little bit out of my depth. He is writing all this down in his notebook and he kind of chews on the end of his pencil and he catches himself chewing on it a little bit too much. And he like pulls it out of his mouth it looks a little bit sheepish or goatish. Goatish, thank you. <laughs> and he says, um, 
well, Duck, I, I wish I could say something to help, but that doesn't really ring a bell for me. What, what you got to understand about Sylvain, that's what this place is called, by the way. It, Thank you. This really ain't a place that builds up, you know, prophecies and heroes of legend to fight evil and stuff like that. We're we're a bit more humble than that. Kind of goes against our whole ethos, you see. See, that's what I'm talking about. I think I could hang here, honestly. Like, <laughs> I, that that sounds pretty good to me. He says, um, I wish I could help you out, but that's not really possible. Resources are, well, they're pretty scarce around here. It's no, really- you're, you're, listen, I'm, I'm having a bit of fun, man. I got a job I got to get back to and stuff, and there's apparently some sort of space bear uh, uh, in my forest, so I do need to rectify that pretty quickly. He but, says, uh, "Yeah, I'll I'll have to talk about I'll have to talk about that with Mama next time I see her." But, um, listen, uh, I'm just as eager to avoid a a war between our worlds as the next Sylph. So, how about this? Why don't we let I'm trying to avoid giving him a <laughs> an Appalachian accent. It's hard to switch that switch back off. He says, so how about this? Why why don't we let bygones be bygones? And I will let you go back through the gate unhindered. But you, you got to promise me, Duck, you you got to forget this night ever happened. You, you walk through that gate and never come back. And you don't tell anybody about the gate or Sylvain or the cool goat man you talked to and we won't have a problem hey listen partner uh right underneath uh preservation of forest and the uh wildlife within my number two skill is forgetting about weird shit so you have you have come to the right department here that is uh no issue can i ask as long as uh you know that your buddy duck can keep a secret what's with the fancy uh the neckwear here he says, "Oh, that uh, the the scarf is um well, it's mine actually. It's sylvan wool. It's one of the curious parts about our arrangement of of our two worlds and their connection. If if a human steps foot in a sylvain without wearing a garment from this world, they they just absolutely lose it. Mo- most of the assaults on on this world they happen long before my time. But from from what I heard, those unadorned humans who crossed over." went into something of a rage and tore the place apart without a second thought. Broke Sylvain's heart right in two. You take that scarf off, and I imagine you'd get pretty pretty hostile, too. Humans so, are the worst. Um, He says, I'll, I, I will take that back, but only once we get you to the gate, ready to cross back over. But li- listen... So, so technically, I guess it'd be mohair, right? I mean, if it, if you made it yourself, is this your own? No, God, it's not from my, Jesus. It's not from my. <laughs> That's what I thought. Oh, that would right. that would be pretty gross. No, it's mine. I wear it to keep warm. It's not from oh. my fur, Duck. It's Burberry. <laughs> he says, "Listen, Duck. I'm 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 trying to be a good guy right now, Duck, which is tough for somebody in my position. So I, I gotta warn you. I'm not the type to really forgive someone who backs out on a deal." So keep up your end of the bargain, and, and please do not make me regret this night, all right? All right. Listen, I'd ask you to shake on it, but I have a feeling that could break weird pretty quick. <laughs> uh, uh, he puts up a a, uh, a a hand 
you you notice actually that his sort of his his bottom half is like hind quarters is straight up goat legs, but then he has sort of these long furry fingers on his hands yeah. that he uh, he holds up. He actually takes off uh, like a gauntlet that he's wearing and holds it over the table. Oh ah. my god, it's Pan! It's Pan! How we dipping shit, rolling breadcrumbs? Look at you! You got you got hands and everything. All right. <laughs> Uh, well, let's shake on it then. All right, you shake on it. Let's jump back to Aubrey. Uh, Aubrey, you've been hiking through the woods with Mama for about 20 minutes now. Uh, Are we there yet? I mean, I I don't want to be that person, but, like, I'm wearing combat boots? She says, uh, well, Aubrey, you're, believe me when I tell you, you're gonna know when we're there. And I don't, oh, I so don't want to complain, but I'm just, it's late. And it's I set fire to a hotel, and then I saw a werewolf, and I'm- Oh, you're having a pretty big night. I, yeah, I and I could it. do magic. It's just been a big day. She says, we got, a, we got a room ready for you back at the lodge, and it's, it's it is, I don't mean to brag, but it's it's pretty nice uh, little setup we got there, so- uh, Do you guys do in-room dining, or? We can. I mean, Barclay can bring food to your room. It's like, you know, 30 feet away, but- um. You're walking through the woods with Mama, sort of having this this conversation, and her her oil lantern and the moon overhead are the the only light on your journey. And now oh, you is see, it? <laughs> and the <laughs> the flames you're producing with your hand. Thank you. And now you see the moonlight shining down on a clearing just in front of you, and there's a carpet of pine needles on the forest floor. But it's it's they are they are distributed in a kind of peculiar pattern. They're giving a wide berth to the clearing's most eye-catching feature. There is a a stone archway standing before you in the center of the clearing. It's a humble structure, just two large slabs of stone with a third perched on top of it. And Mama clears her throat, and she says, Okay, this is going to sound pretty strange, I reckon, but there's something here that you cannot see right now. So don't go running forward, because I don't want you to bash your face right into it, all right? And it's going to look like I'm just sort of speaking it into existence, but that's The Stonehenge really... thing? You... You can already see it? In ancient times, hundreds of years before the dawn of history. Have you not she, seen Spinal Tap? She puts a hand <laughs> on your shoulder, and she says, Aubrey, I... That doesn't make any sense. There's... It's, it's three rocks... Can you see it? She puts her uh, her sort of hands in her temples, which is sort of the go-to move for any Adventure Zone NPC. Uh, and she says, it is not supposed to work like this, Aubrey. There is, there's supposed to be an enchantment on it that makes it so you can't see it unless you know it's there. Hewn into the living rock of Stonehenge. <laughs> no? Nothing? Uh, you see her not responding to, a your, magic place. to your japes. Um, she is, she's pondering her face is like toward the ground. And then there's a third light source shining into this scene from close by in the woods. And you hear a loud sound getting louder, moving quickly in your direction. And Ned Barclay's in the front seat and he's surveying his wounds in the, uh, in the mirror, in the sun visor. And he does that for a few minutes and then. Uh, as as like the continental is rumbling over the occasional sort of route as it maneuvers through the woods, and then he flips the visor back up, 
And he slams a fist down on the dashboard, and he points forward with his other hand, and he yells, Look out! What do you do? Well, obviously, I... I do I need to do, like, an investigation or an observation thing? Um, not really. I mean, I can tell you, you don't... You're, 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 you're going through the pines, and so your vision is kind of uh, occluded a bit, but you do not see anything in front of you. Well, then I slam on the brakes... Uh, I think this would, this would probably be a good act under pressure roll. To push, to depress the brake pedal? Uh, well, to slam on it. How's it going to wang that? Slam on it with Oh, no, you hit the gas. Reaction. Okay. You do have a plus one, because it is a driving thing. Okay. Seven, eight. Eight. Uh, mixed success. Uh, so you, he presses the brake pedal down halfway. No, like you, a, you slam on it. And uh, a Taco Bell cup gets stuck underneath. Careens <laughs> into a tree. Uh, I don't know if there's a Taco Bell in in yeah. There's probably a Taco Bell. It's a combination here. Taco Bell, Pizza Hut, KFC. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah. There, there is a Canon Pizza Hut gas station. Oh, you yes. uh, you slam on your brakes with pretty good reaction time, um, and as you do so, you enter this clearing, um, and you see uh, a, a young woman with a sort of hip haircut. And a, uh, a a sort of larger, older woman wearing a big, long duster, uh, holding an oil lantern, and that's all you see. And you slam on the brakes, and the uh, the car uh, starts to careen to a halt as you drive into this clearing, and you are moving pretty slowly when the car runs into something, and it's weird because there's nothing there. Uh, it's not a tremendous amount of damage to the car. The fender's probably pretty uh, busted busted up, but the uh, car sputters to a halt as it collides with some sort of invisible shape. And uh, Barclay looks at the two other people in this clearing, and he hops out of the car, and his eyes lock with Mama. And he's, uh, Mama says, Well, evening, Barclay. And I want you to picture and, Aubrey waving, but her hand is on fire. Yeah. Hi. And Barclay says, hi, Mama. Hi, uh, Aubrey. It's a, hi, uh, Aubrey. He looks like just as uncomfortable as sort of he did when you first ran into him in the woods when you weren't supposed to, Ned. Um, and Mama says, so uh, what brings you out into the woods in the middle of the night with Ned fucking chicane, Barclay? How did you know my middle name? <laughs> uh, and Barclay says, "He's uh, he's seen a lot tonight, Mama. I, th- I think we've we've got to tell." Wait, wait! What are you doing in the woods with with her, Aubrey? Yeah. Uh, and, and Mama at this point looks like she's about to like lose it. She is. She things are going very, very. Uh, things are getting out of hand, and that's in fact she says like, "All right, look." Things are getting a little bit out of hand tonight. We, we've we kept this gate a secret for... And Ned, you can see the gate. What gate? Yeah, oh. she says that, and it just appears right in front of you. And you can see uh, it's sort of pressed into the fender of your Continental. Oh, it is, shit. Uh, uh, this is going to end up on a farmer's insurance commercial, isn't it? Uh, she notices you like now you can see the gate because she said that and she didn't even think about it. But now she knows that she sort of let this slip again. And she says, shit. All right. Okay. That's it, though. 
Ned, there's powerful cosmic forces at work here, stuff that's got to stay out of the public eye. I don't know if we can trust you, Ned fucking Chicane, but I I need you to trust me when I say that there would be dire consequences if anyone else in Kepler found out about this gate in the woods. Do you understand me? And it's at that point that the gate is just for a moment filled with light and out steps Duck Newton. Duck, you are back in the woods, and here's four people who are all kind of looking at you with shock. Uh, Especially Mama and Barclay. They look kind of dumbfounded and kind of horrified as you step foot back into Kepler. Uh, I'm District Ranger Duck Newton. It's a nickname. And uh, ma'am, I'm going to need you to extinguish that flame, please. Oh, yeah. And I also want to say, uh, Aubrey makes that sound when she does it. (laughs) Mama looks at you, Duck, for a few seconds, just her mouth agape. Uh, in sort of disbelief at how quickly this situation has spiraled. And she says, Duck, Newton, what the hell have you done? I have absolutely no idea. (laughs) She says, how did you see that? Why did you go through the gate, Duck? Well, I was being chased by a spooky bear. Uh... Hey there, it's Spooky Bear. <laughs> she says, a big spooky bear, huh? And and Barclay says, he's um, he's not lying, Mama. Ned and I, we had a run-in with, well, with part of the abomination. I I think it's complicated. We we really should get hunting tonight. And Mama kind of sighs and rubs her head, and she says, but how did he find out about? All right, okay. Here's the plan, everybody. Me and Barclay, we gotta pop through that gate for just a couple minutes, find out how much diplomatic damage Duck just wreaked over there, try to smooth it over. You three are gonna stay put right here. Don't move a muscle, and when we get out, I can explain how much trouble the five of us are in back at the lodge. Okay. And with that, Mama reaches into the interior pocket of her duster, And she pulls out this small, compact mirror, and she opens it up, and she catches some of the moonlight above in it, and it reflects back onto the gate, which hums quietly. And, Duck, you you see that wind whipping off of the the gate again, um, just before the span of the archway is filled with this white light. And Barclay steps through and disappears. And Mama turns to you, Aubrey, and she says... I need you to have my back on this, all right? I need you to make sure these two chuckleheads don't run off. We gotta keep this secret, remember? Yeah, if they try to run off, I'll burn them to the ground? Well, don't, okay. no, don't no, come on. I, even as I was saying it, yeah, I knew that that was, was too bad. much. Um, And Mama turns and steps through the gate, and the wind stops, and the light inside the archway disappears. And now it's just the three of you standing in the middle of this clearing in the middle of the woods in the middle of the night. Hey everybody, this is Griffin McElroy, your dungeon master and your best friend and your root beer boy. 
I just drank a whole mess of root beer. Thanks for listening to the Adventure Zone Amnesty. It's the third episode in this uh, experimental arc. We are having so much fun with it, and the response to it has been so incredible. And uh, since we've been going weekly, it's like a lot more work. And I really, really appreciate all the feedback that we've gotten. It really does mean a lot. We have an aura frame here at our house, and we primarily use it to show pictures of our kids and the fun stuff that we do. And my favorite thing about it is that it's so easy to upload pictures on that as soon as we get home from doing something fun, we just immediately put the pictures up there so we don't forget to do it. You know, because I, I've tried, we try to do picture frames and stuff in the past, and then we never remember to put them on. But with Aura, it's so easy to load it up that it has become kind of a, a digital scrapbook more than anything else. So if you have been looking to get the pictures that are trapped in your phone and set them free in a way that other people can see them, might I recommend Aura Frames. They're stylish, they're easy to use, you're gonna love it. And it was named the number one digital picture frame by Wirecutter, and for a good reason. It's so easy to set up, and they have different frame options, all kinds. And the best part is it comes with unlimited storage. So right now you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frames with code ADVENTURE. That's A-U-R-A frames.com promo code ADVENTURE. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it's me, the internet's Travis McRoy. Yes, that's right. Powerful influencer, Travis McRoy. You know, people are always asking me, Travis... How did you become such a powerful influencer in the world? Well, I'll let you in on my secret. It's Squarespace. Yes, that's right. Squarespace, the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. You can stand out with a beautiful website, engage with your audience, and sell anything. Your products, content you create, or even your time. What? What influencer doesn't do that? I ask you. I'll wait. That's right. None of them. They all do that, and you can do it with Squarespace. Okay, here's uh, just as an aside. You can also use Squarespace even if you're uh, not an influencer, um, and even if the idea of being an influencer uh, makes you throw up a little bit in your mouth, don't worry, Squarespace is still useful. With Fluid Engine, a next-generation website design system from Squarespace, it's never been easier for anyone to unlock unbreakable creativity. With Fluid Engine, a next-generation website design system from Squarespace, it's never been easier for anyone to unlock unbreakable creativity. Start with the best-in-class website template and customize every design detail with reimagined drag-and-drop technology for desktop or mobile. With Squarespace scheduling, clients can quickly view your availability and book their own reservations, appointments, or classes, and you can sell products on an online store. Whether you sell physical or digital products, Squarespace has the tools for you. So go to squarespace.com adventure for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use offer code ADVENTURE to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Chicago! We're coming to you. We're coming for you. We're coming at you. And we're also coming to C2E2. And we're doing live shows. All a bunch of stuff in April. April 24th, we're going to be doing My Brother, My Brother and Me, which is nearly sold out. And Taz, which is selling out fast. So do not wait. April 25th is Taz. April 24th is My Brother, My Brother and Me. April 26th through the 28th, we're doing C2E2. Schedule to be announced. You can get your C2E2 badges now, but you do not need a badge to attend the live shows. Tickets for those shows are on sale at bit.ly slash McElroy Tours. All the information is there. Go check it out. Also, we've got a newsletter. 
In case you've been wondering what's the best way to keep up with our new tour dates and announcements and stuff like that, go to bit.ly slash newsletter. And of course, check out all the merch over at macroymerch.com. A lot of great stuff. Fungalore sticker pack, um, naming of the year poster. Uh, we've got the little sailor man pin and 10% of all proceeds this month go to the Foundation for Black Women's Wellness. So go check it out, macroymerch.com. And now back to the show. I also want to tell you about another actual play D&D podcast. It's called Legend of Renob. Uh, they say here, if you're all caught up with the Mackle Boys and need more of your comedic D&D fix, check out the Legion of Renob at, uh, well, just that. And I'll spell it out. It's R-E-N-O-B. So Legion of R-E-N-O-B. Com. They're another D&D podcast. They are just recently off the ground, so it's a good time to uh, hop on board. And if you just can't get enough of people rolling dice and then making fun of each other when the numbers aren't high enough, go check out this podcast. One last time, it's legendofrenob.com. I want to thank everybody who's been tweeting about the show using the the Zonecast hashtag. Uh, we do not pay to advertise the show at all, so it really means a lot whenever you uh, whenever you spread the word like that. If you uh, do use that hashtag in your tweets, you might end up as a character on the show, like Vincent Zed on Twitter, who is Vincent, the character you just met. Uh, got a couple more, maybe like one more character name that I can drop in there. So uh, go ahead and get those tweets in, and uh, I sure do appreciate it. And thanks to Maximum Fun for having us on the network. You can go to MaximumFun.org and check out all the great podcasts there shows like can i pet your dog and tights and fights and the greatest generation and so many other shows uh all waiting for you at maximumfun.org and if you want to hear more podcasts or see the video stuff that we do you can go to mcelroyshows.com and see it there Uh, i think that's it thank you so much for listening we will be back next thursday uh that will be february 1st with a brand new episode of taz amnesty Uh, i think this arc is gonna do like four or five episodes before we try out the next thing and and we hope you are uh enjoying sort of us wandering around here uh as much as we're enjoying it so yeah we'll see you next week thursday february 1st talk to you then bye welcome to my fucking awesome dream duck well I, I hate to break it to you. Uh, I don't think you are technically dreaming. Uh, uh, Ned. What? Well, uh, if it's one of those, unless it's one of those shared dreams. I saw in Doctor Oz some people. Anyway, oh, I saw that one. Yeah, shared yeah. shared dreams. But, so you're trying to tell me this is real? Yeah, it's weird. real as uh, I mean, as far as I know, as real as anything. Holy! I mean, real shit. is really a relative term if you think about it. Oh, hey, yeah, hi, Ranger Rick. You? Yeah. No, well, it's it's duck. Okay. Uh, Hello. I remember you. You're uh, that um, was, where was that? over near Laurel Fork, right? I, yeah. I busted you first. Sure. What was it? Torch Torch Girl? Was that? No, I'm trying to remember. The Lady Flame. I had the Lady Flame. That's I had right. the rabbit. You uh, your hands were on fire, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Apparently, I could do magic, right? Oh, sounds like a big night. Yeah. I mean, yeah, right. Can I ask? Ned and I, I do expect some sort of recognition for waiting this long to sort of inquire. Why is it that you are dressed like uh, the Chewbacca? Oh yeah, that was it. I was trying. To, I couldn't put my finger on it. Well, I have some friends. We get together and go see Star Wars. But now I was goofing around. I I was trying to do a whole Bigfoot thing, and it's hotter than shit. Shit, I'm going to take it off. Just like a 
Like a Yahoo? Uh, yeah. I was dressed like a Yahoo for a big old Yahoo. You know. <laughs> I get it. I well, get it. I mean, up until tonight, you know I that thought not- all this was horse shit. Torch Girl, you probably don't know this, but... Lady uh, Flame. Sorry. Darn it. You can Lady just call Flame. me Aubrey if that's easier. You know what? I get confused between Aubrey and Audrey so much. I'm going to stick with Lady Flame, I think. Okay. But uh, around these parts, we have uh, the old timers called it uh, Yahoo Holler because uh, the they called them the no, we call them most people call them Bigfoots, but they call them Yahoos because that's the same. Ah, the Sasquatch, Sasquatch, the Woodland Ape. Yeah, Sasquatch. I guess. While while this conversation's happening, I like the scene of Ned sort of in the background trying to unzip the Wookiee costume and is like little help, please, in the middle of stepping out of it. And suddenly, there is a deep, guttural sigh from the edge of the clearing, and the three of you turn to face it. And. With the moon's light above and the light from the oil lantern, which Mama set down sort of right in front of the gate uh, before she stepped through, there is no obscurity about the beast the three of you are facing just like ten yards away. It is a horrible sight, uh, eight feet tall and nearly as wide, and a a roar comes from this beast projected from the agonized face of a massive black bear and ned you see that same sort of lifeless expression that you recognized in the bobcat earlier um horrifyingly you also see it on several other faces that are jutting out of this beast Uh, a wolf's face sits motionless on the neck of this creature from its shoulder um, a stag's head is like half submerged in its form and its antler is is protruding sharply from, from the mass. Um, a half dozen forest creatures are embedded in this thing and not just their faces. This whole being is covered in their pelts uh, forming a thick patchwork hide all around it. The three of you survey this nightmare in an instant as it makes its presence known, and then it charges. What do you do? This is our first sort of group combat thing, and I want to make it clear in, in this game, there is no initiative. I don't really roll. I can I can set up soft moves to set up like elements of danger for you all to respond to, but... Uh, I don't really get a turn to attack. My actions are all in response to you. And because there's no initiative, uh, the three of you kind of have to play fair and play collaboratively. Uh, If one of you takes a turn, I kind of won't let you go again until the other two also take an action. But in terms of, you know, who goes first and who does what and what order, it's up to you guys to decide. And you kind of need to keep in mind, like, what is going to be the most narratively interesting and, you know, set each other up and, and help each other out. Uh, it's it's pretty, pretty loosey-goosey. Um, so with that in mind, what do you do? How far away is the bear? Uh, it, it was 10 yards away, getting closer. Ned reaches into the uh, the trunk of the Lincoln. And pulls out the big heavy walking stick. It's got a huge. It almost looks like a uh, a drum major's baton from from marching band. Big. It's got heavy, a thing at the end. Yeah, great big heavy metal brass knob at the end of it. 
and he says, duck. And she realizes now if he does, everybody's going to duck. And they do. Says it anyway. (laughs) And so he throws it, and then it goes sailing over Duck's head because he ducked. No, but I, lands, no he I caught, caught it. it. I'm used to it. Yeah, I won't make your roll for that. I think you, you toss uh, Duck the, the weapon. Do you do anything else? Sort of with well, your, your action here? Uh, I start rummaging through the trunk because I got another idea. But as long as I'm at the trunk, uh, I think that enabling uh, enabling Duck will accomplish what I want to do. You want me to roll? Uh, no. No, I okay. think we can we can figure out what you you have gear that is like on your starting character sheet and if you're looking for something else that's that's cool and we will get to that here yeah. in a little bit. He starts um, rummaging through the trunk. All right. Uh duck, you catch the walking stick. We'll go to you next before we get to Aubrey. What do you what do you do? Can you lay out the scene for me like where like positioning wise what's going on? Yeah, I mean, the three of you are pretty close. You got your back basically to this arch with the oil lantern laying on the ground uh, you, and the Continental kind of busted up a little bit uh, in in the side of the arch, which, by the way, I should mention the archway was not even remotely damaged or seemingly affected at all by your, your car crashing into it. Um, the beast is now like five yards away from you guys and is sort of charging right right at you uh, okay. towards you and the, and the archway and you're holding right. a walking stick uh duck scoops up the lantern and then runs around to the other side of the gate and starts yelling at the monsters woohoo come here come on dum-dums right over here make it make it a lot of noise and trying to get them to charge straight at him i love it um I think this would be a act under pressure role. Like you're trying to do some the, fuck it. Like you're under pressure and you are acting like this is this is explicitly that. Um, so, uh, let's see, eight, eight. I make success. Okay, all right. Um, I think that the trade off here is you you with a mixed success you do what you're trying to do, and I know what you're trying to do, but there is a, a slight cost to it. So, you are taunting this creature to run right at you, and it does, and it slams right into the gate, which it does not see. And uh, as it does so, uh, it sort of, uh, you you hear it sort of whine in in pain as it does, uh, but that, uh, the antlers and its shoulder uh, kind of goes through the gate, and you were just a little bit closer. You, you did not expect it to have this much reach, and those antlers just get you uh, for... Uh, I mean, they, they jab right into you for three harm. Ugh, one harm. What happened to Invincible? Oh, right. Two. Yeah, he has two armor, which ne- like negates some of it. Uh, and the beast, I think, takes, uh, takes two harm. Um, well... It would take two harm, but for whatever reason, this this plan went you know perfectly how you kind of envisioned it. It was a very good punct you did to this this big uh, beast, um, but it didn't seem to do quite as much damage as you were expecting. Uh, almost as if like this thing is also pretty tough right now, uh, and it kind of wedges itself out backward from the gate, and we will jump to Aubrey. Uh, Aubrey grabs the lantern from Duck and throws it at the creature's face. Uh, okay. It is still I, lit, correct? 
Oh, it's lit as hell. Excellent. Uh, I don't think you would need to roll for this. This is this is not, you know, this thing is not, if you're throwing a lantern at it, right? Like, you're not, maybe you act under pressure, but I think you just do it. Okay. Uh, I'm, tr- I'm trying to follow the rules here, and I, th- I feel like this is not, like, a traditional, like, it's not kick some ass, right? You're throwing a lantern at a thing. If anything, it's, it's very close, pressure. right, at this point. It's real close, and it's huge. I think you can pretty confidently throw this oil lantern at the thing. Um, all right, you chuck the oil lantern at its face. You don't have to roll. This is not a, a fight thing. This is just you doing something very clever. Uh, the oil lantern shatters as it hits the beast's face, and uh, the oil sort of covers it, uh, like the, the at least the top portion of it, and the fire quickly spreads. And that pelt, uh, that, that patchwork pelt, which you can kind of see like that black... Uh, slime that you saw earlier, Ned, is kind of like holding it together a little bit, like glue. Uh, this pelt is now just ablaze. It's ablaze because it's now covered in burning oil, but it also just seems like it is very flammable, almost, because this thing just goes up, uh, and it is on fire, uh, and it takes three harm as this fire is spreading all around it. Uh, and it looks pretty enraged. Uh, and I think with that, uh, Aubrey, uh, it is going to look at you and, uh, kind of roar because it knows that you just set it on fire. Shit. And now it, it is charging at you. This is a soft move. It's not me, you know, saying I'm going to do some damage, but now there is some, some, some danger going on. Ned has found what he's looking for in the trunk. All right. It's the. It's that great big jug, and and when she yelled shit just a minute ago, that reminded him. It's that great big jug that he filled from the septic tank with all that nasty shit okay. and animal droppings and everything else. I did not know that that fluid was as gross as you're describing. Oh, it's really gross. So but wait, in the seen- septic tank, animals have been using your toilet too? <laughs> Well, everything has it was. It's not a very effective. It's septic a service tank. the cryptonomica provides, where animals can come and use their toilet. <laughs> and also, I've been dumping all this shit in there. It, I'm not a very good homeowner. You're a real fucking cousin, cousin Randy from yeah. uh, Christmas Vacation, Eddie, Eddie. cousin yeah. Eddie. Thank you. Yeah, well, he's got a lip fungus we ain't identified yet. <laughs> it, Ned grabs this jug, runs over, and throws it in the air. It's arcing towards the the path in front of the beast. And it it hits the ground and shatters in this horrible stench, this horrible stink, and and all of this stuff splatters all over the place. And, uh, And Ned says, Huh. No methane. Well, it was a great idea. Uh, I think this thing... You were trying to create some sort of literal stink bomb, uh, which I appreciate. (laughs) Yeah, a little napalm. But I think that something kind of curious happens. This thing was about to come down on Aubrey, but as this jug of, uh, you you said there was like animal droppings and stuff in it? Oh, yeah. As this thing smells, like picks up the scent of a bunch of different animals, even though it's on fire and even though it was about to attack this thing that is endangering it, it's almost like this more in, like primary instinct kicks in and you see it whip its head around and look toward the direction of the jug. And it's 
now it's sniffing around almost like a a hunter who has just like picked up the trail of its prey and you have definitely definitely uh accidentally it sounds like uh sort of uh distracted it away from its attack uh what do you all do aubrey's gonna do some magic all right um, this is your magic attack or do well magic? one of the things that i can do one of the effects i can do is enchant a weapon and it gets plus one harm and plus magic um so i am going to uh uh i uh, this is my logic the fire hurt the thing duck is standing there holding a weapon i'm going to enchant it set it on fire all right <laughs> Uh, that's a seven plus plus two, so a nine. Yep, that's a mixed success. She sets it on fire, but then it burns Duck's hands and he drops it. <laughs> okay, the walking stick is on fire. It is also made out of wood. So it is on fire and it is enchanted. And what does that do? It gives it plus one magic it's attack. Plus one harm and says plus magic, which I don't... Yeah. So there's a system of tags that comes on every single item in this game, and it just sort of informs the fiction. So there's a monster that could only be hurt by magic. So, for instance, like a a ghost or something who couldn't be hit by a physical weapon, but a magical weapon could actually harm it. Then if something has the magic tag, then you're good to go. So you have uh, set this this, uh, walking stick on fire, but it is also made out of wood. So if it stays like this for uh, a long time... It's going to be gone. But, Duck, you can safely safely hold it. Well, I guess I'm going to kick some ass. Hell yeah. Yeah! Uh, roll I'm going to slam the... Uh, I'm aiming to just slam the uh, thing right down on its noggin. Oh, shit! That is a 13. Jesus Christ, these rolls. Rolled two... St- Two yeah. D6s. Sure did. Two sixes. Plus, uh, since the gear had a one-harm hand. Uh, it actually has two-harm, because it was enchanted. Uh, cool. And it was enchanted with, with fire. So, uh, on a 10+, plus, choose one effect. You gain the advantage, take plus one forward, or give plus one forward to another hunter. Uh, you inflict terrible harm, plus one harm. You suffer less harm, minus one harm, or you force them where you want them. So, you get to pick one effect. In addition to the the uh, the two sort of fiery magical damage that you are also dealing. Okay. Um, okay. Um, I guess I'm just going to inflict an additional harm then. All right. I was trying to I was trying to preserve it somehow because uh, I feel like that would be Duck's instinct, but he also you know he's not a doofus like this yeah. is obviously. Yeah, preserve a, us an, first. An imminent danger, right, to these other people. So, so on a on a kick ass on 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 a kick some ass. The way this works is both of you deal damage. So describe what you do again. Uh, I'm I'm just claw the the lantern. The oil is on his head as well, right? Like yeah. that's where I would be aiming for one of the heads. Are, are there multiple heads? The way this thing is, it's got this main bear head. It kind of almost has the body of a bear, sort of, but a huge one with all of these other animals kind of absorbed into it. Like their faces and um, like right. their whole all their bodies and stuff. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So I'm aiming for the the bear head. All right. You clobber this. You bring the the flaming brass tip of this walking stick uh, down on top of the bear's skull, and you hear this sort of, if you'll pardon the pun, grisly crack as you do so. Uh, and uh, this this thing 
takes three harm as you uh, bash bash into it, thanks to all of your different bonuses. Uh, and it sort of whips around as you do that, and it catches you with the with the horns again. And this time, it kind of like picks picks you up and sort of knocks you back a few feet. You keep your footing, uh, but it it sort of hits you real hard with these antlers for another three harm. Damn. Uh, so uh, by my Fuck calculations, you've you've taken two harm at this point, and Correct. once you once you get to four. Things start getting very, very serious, um, but you're not quite there yet. All right. Here's what happens next. The three of you at this point have sort of independently experienced something profound in, in this moment. You, you have been confronted with death itself, with, with a monstrosity that defies every known natural order of this world, and yet your instinct was not that of absolute fear as it would be for any other human who encountered this beast. You stood your ground and you fought and maybe you knew why you're fighting and maybe you didn't, but regardless, you all have this remarkable feeling, a kind of inexplicable assurance that you can do this. And then Ned, you feel something fall and tap on your shoulder. And Aubrey, you feel it too uh, in your hair, uh, kind of dripping cold down the back of your neck. And Duck, you see the trees start to sway in a manner you've seen countless times during your patrols of these woods. And there's a peal of thunder overhead, and then the skies open up. And this sudden storm is bashing against the roof of the Continental, and it douses the flames that were spreading across the beast, which looks up at the sky, and then, with otherworldly malice, back down at the three of you. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported. Hi there. I'm film critic April Wolf and host of the Maximum Fun podcast, Switchblade Sisters. Do you love genre films? Do you love female filmmakers? Do you love discussions on craft? If your answer is yes, you'll love Switchblade Sisters. Every episode, I invite one female filmmaker on, and we talk in-depth about their fave genre film and how it influenced their own work. So we're talking horror, action, sci-fi, fantasy, bizarro, and exploitation cinema. Mothers, lock up your sons, because the Switchblade Sisters are coming for you. Available at MaximumFun.org or wherever you find your podcasts. 
Hey everyone, Freddie Wong, Matt Arnold, and Will Campos, here to tell you about Story Break, a writer's room podcast where every week we, the Hollywood geniuses behind Video Game High School, have one hour to turn a humble idea into an awesome movie. Thrill as we weave the tragic tale of Jar Jar, a Star Wars story. We're going to double down on everything that made the prequels great. Jar Jar, (laughs) trade federation, (laughs) politics. Gasp as we assemble a pantheon of heroes for the Kellogg Cinematic Universe. We could get rid of Snap, Crackle, Pop. I wouldn't even miss them. You're crazy. They die in the second Oh, come on. <laughs> and join us as we make fun of Matt as he struggles to name a single Beyonce song. Well, yeah, put a finger on it. Sure, she wants to be Beyonce. Put a um, finger on it. Beyonce's <laughs> famous song. Will we break the story or will the story break us? Find out by joining us in the writer's room every Thursday on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts.